Good morning. Today I would like to speak to you about the topic of salvation. I'd like to look at it from the perspective of John the Baptist. And John was one who announced to his nation and to his people and uh, who the Messiah was, and that is Jesus Christ. The one who shall save his people from their sins, we read from the Bible. Specifically, I would like to explore three particular topics that John preached to point his people to the Savior. That is repentance, and the second is the judgment to come, and the third is salvation from sins. And this morning I endeavor to present the gospel to those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and for those who are saved, to challenge you with a self-examination that we may truly appreciate the salvation that we have, for it is our hope and it is our joy. Please turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read through verses 1 to 12. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Verse 1 reads, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle around his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when they saw many of the Pharisees, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word that we have just read. We pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open to you this morning. Lord, that we would desire to, to hear from you and not from a man. And I pray, O oh Lord, that if there are any here this morning who do not know you as their Savior, may this be the day of their salvation. 
and those who profess, Lord, to be Christians, to be your children, I pray that this would be an opportunity for self-examination, Lord, that we would sincerely not take our salvation for granted. We pray that you would move and work in our hearts and lives this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. As we look at the first verse there in chapter 3, it says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. In essence, what it means by in those days is referring to the days that the Messiah was prophesied to come. And prior to this chapter, it gives us uh, a context to, to, the, to the chapter we just read, and I'd, I'd like to present that to you first. So prior to this chapter, we actually read of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. There were wise men who, by computing the time mentioned in Daniel's prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, came looking for uh, the Messiah uh, to worship him. And at that time, Herod was the king, and he inquired of the chief priests uh, and of the scribes and of the people, wanting to know where the Christ would be born and to which they referred him to the prophet Micah, who prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. And likewise, Herod also inquired of the wise men, and he deceitfully said to them to bring him word once they find him, that he may also worship. And indeed, they, the wise men did find him, and they did worship him. They acknowledged him as the Messiah and offered him gifts worthy of his title. But being warned of God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed back to their own country. And when Herod found this out, in a fit of rage, he decreed to have all the children in Bethlehem, two years and younger, younger to be slaughtered. And Joseph, also being warned in a dream by the angel of the Lord, was told to flee to Egypt with his family. And only after the death of Herod did Joseph, his wife, and the child return, and they dwelt in the city of Nazareth. And some 30 years later, here we, we read of John the Baptist uh, preaching in the wilderness. And what was John preaching? Verse 2 says, And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John preached repentance the bible says what is repentance repentance is simply a change of mind and in the context of of god and in the context of salvation it is a godward sorrow that someone experiences a deep conviction that they have sinned against god and with a desire to be forgiven resulting in a purpose to turn away from from the, the things that, that are evil and to do that which is good in the eyes of God. It is essentially an inward change which should result, uh, it's, it's an inward change of mind which should result in an outward change of behavior. And the reason John preached this to his people is because the Messiah and his kingdom reign was coming. And that's what it means by the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And contrary to what most of the Jews thought about what kind of leader they would have, that their Messiah would be some sort of uh, military leader, some, some sort of political leader, 
John knew that the reign of Christ would be a kingdom of purity. And therefore, in preparation to receive the Savior, he called his people, and essentially the world, to a changed life. Now, I'd like to look at the same account in John, because we read here that, uh, in the book of John, sorry, we, we read that John the Baptist preached repentance, but that's not all that he preached. He also preached Christ. So would you turn with me to, to the book of John, please? John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 19 through to 27. And it gives us some insight into this, this account. John chapter 1, verse 19. It reads, And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptize that baptize that Baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. That is in reference to the Messiah, the Christ, who is Jesus. And John's mission was to point the people to the Christ that would save them from their sins. And upon their confession of their sins and their faith in this Messiah, John baptized them in water, just as we do today and as we will do next week. If we go back to our main text in, in Matthew, please, Matthew chapter 3, we shall continue. Verse 3 and verse 4. It reads, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle around about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Who was John the Baptist? Well, John was born approximately six months before Jesus to Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And this man, he was the fulfillment of a prophecy that was made in the book of Isaiah. I'd like to, to read that prophecy. There's mention of it here in verse 3, but let's go to the scriptures and read that exact prophecy. Isaiah chapter 40, please. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 3 and 4, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 and 4, gives us this prophecy of 
uh, of John. It says in verse 3, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. John recognized that he was the one that was prophesied to be this person to herald the Messiah, to announce to the world that the Messiah was coming. He was the forerunner to Jesus Christ and to proclaim the Christ's entrance into the world as the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. That is who John the Baptist was. And in verse 5 and 6 we read, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. And here we, we reiterate that John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Isaiah, he preached repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. And those, those that, that were listening, those that believed on his words, they were baptized of him. And we read that many did come from all over the region and the regions beyond to hear the preaching of John and to be baptized. And many believed. And verse 7, it reads, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. As we read in John's account earlier, they had, the Pharisees had sent priests and Levites uh, to inquire of John who he was and in whose name was he preaching and baptizing the people. And of course we know that the Sadducees were there as well. And John was clearly indignant of them. He knew what kind of men they were. Although the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, they were meant to be uh, a people that were separated from their countrymen, uh, a people who were meant to have a, a life devoted to religion. But the problem was that they were driven by ambition and status and honor, and they sought praise and popularity through outward observances and even political alliances. And so John rebuked them, calling them a generation of vipers. One, because he was calling them the offspring of their father, who is called that old serpent, the devil and Satan. And two, in reference to their snake-like character and their poisonous doctrine. Why? Because they added to the word of God. On top of the written law, they had what was called the oral law, additions that they not only held themselves, but others too, uh, in bondage. And therefore, uh, uh, John there referred to them as the generation of vipers. And John knew very clearly that they did not come for repentance or to hear his preaching or to see the Christ. They came to investigate a threat to their own livelihood. So it, does, it is only right for John to warn them of the impending judgment that was to come. And there in verse 8, we read what he says. He says to them, 
Therefore, bring forth, bring forth therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. And fruit here is simply referring to, to evidence. The evidence of repentance. John was looking for people that knew that they were sinners in need of a saviour. And I'd like to, to look at an illustration. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 15. Uh, let's look at verse 17. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. And it is in reference to the, the parable of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 17 to 19. And just to give you some context here, the, uh, Jesus gives the people a, a parable. And the parable says that there was a certain man who had two sons. And the younger asked his father for the portion of his inheritance. And he received it. And not many days after, uh, he went to a far country. And he wasted all that he had, in what the Bible says, riotous living until he had nothing left. And at that time, a great famine arose in that land. And to survive, he put himself subject unto one of the citizens uh, who uh, got him to feed swine, pigs. And he was so deprived, and the famine was so great that he had such little food that he longed even to eat what the pigs were fed. And we read here in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, Look with me here. Read what happened to him at that point. It says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son, Make me as one of thy hired servants. You see, the son realized the depravity of his life and, and the consequences of his life. And at that point, his mind was changed. He decided to return to his father, admit his wrongdoing, and gladly, gladly even to be one of his father's servants. Not a son, but gladly to be a servant. If only he would be forgiven only he would be accepted. And this is the picture of genuine repentance that John is referring to. This was the kind of fruit John wanted to see from the Pharisees, from the Sadducees, and from everyone. And as we continue, verse 9 says, uh, as John continues, should I say, verse 9, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. You know, the Pharisees, they believed that they were justified by the merits of Abraham, just by being uh, a descendant of Abraham. And what they trusted for their righteousness uh, was the observance of their laws. So it was only appropriate that John addressed this delusion. It is only by faith in Jesus Christ that one can be justified. And the justification is an act whereby God declares a sinner to be righteous. That is what justification is. And only God has the power and the ability uh, to be able to do that. If, if you would just turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, please. 
in Galatians chapter 2, it explains this. This is where we get this doctrine. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. It says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So we have this, this doctrine here, that you cannot be justified by the works of the law. That is exactly what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. And so John says, it's easier, it would be easier for God to raise up children for himself from stones than to raise up children through the likes of the Pharisees. What a rebuke. And in saying that, John gives them an ultimatum. And that ultimatum is in verse 10. And in verse 10 it says, and now, uh, sorry, verse 10 of Matthew chapter 3, please. Verse 10 of Matthew chapter 3. And that ultimatum reads, And now also the axe is laid onto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. John preached judgment unto them that if they did not repent and turn to Jesus Christ as their Savior, just like a rotting tree, they would be cut down at the root and be burned. For the coming of the Messiah is an ultimatum in and of itself. If you believe on Jesus Christ, then you are saved. And if you do not believe on Jesus Christ, you are condemned. This is not something that is pleasing to accept, but it is the Word of God. Amen. And I want to I go to the book of John, please, and have a look at a very familiar, what many would consider to be a familiar verse. But I want to bring out something to your attention, please. John chap uh, chapter 3, verse 16. John 3.16, the famous John 3.16. And we're going to look at verse 17 as well. John 3.16. And verse 17. It reads... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. A very familiar verse, even to those outside of the world of Christianity. But many forget what verse 18 says. Please read, uh, follow along with me. In Jesus' words, he says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. This is the ultimatum that, that John gave to the Pharisees, in, in essence gave to, his, to all his people, and then by proxy to us. And when you're confronted with Jesus Christ, you're confronted with a choice. And that choice, inevitably, is heaven or hell. Amen. And here John warns 
not only to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but everyone, that the coming of the Messiah will, will bring with him also the judgment of heaven and hell. And at that judgment, there will be a separation. Those that will go into eternal life from those who will go into eternal damnation. And he says here, he uses the analogy of a tree. That those who go into eternal life will be those who produce good fruit. And those who produce bad fruit will be hewn down and cast into the fire. It is a very sobering thing that we have just read and a sobering realization but that is what Jesus taught that is what the word of God says and is what we believe and this should drive us to to have a desire to share the gospel with with everyone this should be our motivation if this is what we truly believe and in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 look with me there he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John's bap baptism was indeed with water, and he acknowledged that, that his baptism was not of the saving type. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward profession. It is an outward expression of an inward profession. It does not save. It is what we do after putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. The act of baptism itself, it pictures the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those who do it are making a public expression, a declaration that they are associating with the Lord Jesus. You don't, have, you don't have to turn that about, I'll read a verse to you, it's in Romans 6.4. It, it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So this, this baptism, it pictures that we, we died with Christ, that, that we are raised up by Christ, and that the old man is dead, and then we, that we live in newness of life, that the new man, we live according to the new man. And that is what baptism represents. And to add, John says that, that Jesus Christ will baptize with the Holy Ghost, and that his baptism, uh, that means that his baptism is of the saving type. When someone is saved by faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God seals himself inside the individual, assuring them of their eternal life with God. And I'd like to, to have a look at where we get that doctrine. If you go to, to the book of Ephesians, please, the letter to the Ephesians. And all the while, please keep your place in Matthew as we continue to return. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So we are sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit of God. 
The day of redemption is actually in reference to the day Christ returns. So we are sealed until, until that day. We are sealed. There is nothing that can take our salvation away from us. There is nothing that, that will force the Holy Spirit of God uh, to, to come out of us upon receiving Him. In other words, there's no sin and there's no body that can cause us to lose our salvation. We are sealed until we go to heaven. That is where we get the doctrine of the eternal security of the believer. And it's referred sometimes in the common tongue as once saved, always saved. And to believe that one can lose their salvation. Think about this. There are, there are denominations that we have that believe that you can lose your salvation. To believe that you can lose your salvation means that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, which was a payment for sin, was not sufficient. It wasn't enough. And if that was the case, then why did he have to die? What purpose is there for his death? There isn't. And, that is, and we don't read or see in the scriptures of that. We read that it was paid once for all. So when a sinner trusts Christ, he is born again and immediately baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, which is the church. If we have a look at, if I'll read to you, you don't have to turn there, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, this is what it says. It says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Verse 12, finally, it says, Whose fan, uh, verse 12 in chapter 3, please. Verse 12 says, Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So here we read of a fan, we read of uh, purging the floor, we read of wheat, we read of chaff being burned up. And the fan, it's what's called a winnowing tool. And what winnowing is, it's the act of blowing a current of air through tossed grain in order to remove the chaff, uh, the chaff which is uh, the husk around the grain. So the farmer would use this tool, this fan. He would, he would toss the harvested grain into the air where the wind was blowing and it would separate the grain from the husk because the grain, which is heavier, would fall and the husk would be blown into, into a particular direction. And um, this would be done on what's called a threshing floor. And the grain that would remain, they would gather and the chaff would be collected and be burnt. And this is, this is what John the Baptist is referring to. It's another picture of judgment. That with the coming of the Messiah will also come judgment. And when the judgment comes, the grain will be separated from the chaff. The grain will be that those who are saved, and the chaff will be those who will go into eternal damnation. And likewise, whoever believes on Jesus Christ will be saved, and who whosoever doesn't will be condemned to hell. 
this was the message, the initial message of John the Baptist. He preached repentance unto them. He preached the judgment to come. But he also preached that salvation would come by Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And this morning we looked into the account of John and we looked at these, these topics. And if you are here today and you are not sure if you are saved, if you are not sure that you are a Christian, then you can be, and you can be right now. When Jesus died on the cross, there were two other thieves with him who were also crucified. You know, for these, these men, these thieves, uh, called thieves, they did not have any time to make things right. They didn't have the ability to, to do anything good to earn or merit salvation. They were about to die a gruesome death. But listen to the words that one of the thieves spoke about Jesus and spoke to him. Listen to the words as I read, read what he said about the Lord. He said, For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man, referring to Jesus, hath done nothing amiss. Amen. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Amen. All this man could do was to repent of his sins, and by faith turn to Jesus as his Saviour. And on the spot he was saved. Amen. The Lord saved him. And by doing the same, you can also be saved. It is that simple. And for those who are saved, I challenge you to spend a moment right now in self-examination, to examine yourselves. We read from the scriptures that God likens us to a tree, a fruit-producing tree. If you imagine yourself as, as a tree, what kind of fruit do you see? Do you see bad fruit? Do you see good fruit? Do you see fruit that with some work might be a little better? The scriptures teach us that many will take the wide road, which leads to destruction. That there will be many who will be deceived in the judgment, thinking because of their good works that they will enter into heaven, but will not. And that many will, who do go to heaven, they said they will even suffer loss because they have not done anything worthy of reward while on earth. Brethren, this is the reality for the Christian. This is the true reality that we need to be able to see. For we don't want to be any one of these people. We want to be a saved people. We want to have full assurance of eternal life. Amen. We want it to give us joy and hope. And we want to work hard to obey the commandments of Christ. I pray that God will do a work in us all this morning. That we would not take the great salvation of God through Jesus Christ for granted. May God bless His word.